Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of continuing a series that I'm doing with the, the fine folks at the Open Studies Program through uh, MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art. Um, I'm here today uh, chatting with a trained architect, property manager, community activist, and that big distinction, artist. <laughs> Please welcome Ariana Parrish. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob, for having me. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm glad we were able to to make this this happen. You you were part of a, an experience um, that that I had with Micah that I really have still taking taking um, from things that I've learned from it. But and we'll talk about that probably a little bit later. But I wanted to start off with I gave a cut and paste kind of introduction. It may have been something you sent me uh, cut and paste introduction. But I want to really allow you to describe like what your background is, you for you to introduce yourself, what your background is, and ultimately tell me about your, your experience with um, Oka Studies. Yeah, sure. So I did go to, I'm from Baltimore, and I hate the question about high schools. I think it's stupid. Um, no shade, but I don't care where people went to high school. <laughs> um, but I, I still say it when people ask anyway. Um, but I went to Temple University for my undergrad in architecture. Um, then from there, I bought my first house because my dad's the kind of person that when I graduated from high school and when I wanted to go to Temple, he said I needed to write an essay about what I wanted to do at Temple University, what I was going to do when I graduated, et cetera, for me to like leave out of state. So wow. I'm like the kind of person who makes a plan and then a five-year plan and then at the five-year, I reassess the plan. Um, so I went to Temple, bought my first house after that, and then I moved to I moved back to Baltimore um, and then bought my second house, still doing architecture. Um, and then after that, I decided I want to move to Denmark because I always wanted to live abroad. And so in 2019, I moved to Denmark and it was around that time that I was starting open studios. And then the time frame was like six hours difference. And so the class would be at like 2 a.m. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pause this and start this when I have more time. So then right before COVID, um, December 2019, I moved back to the U.S. And um, I started working in architecture again. I moved back to Philadelphia. I've been moving around a lot because <laughs> I'm like a nomad woman. Um, so I moved back to Philly and then started the, the online um, program at MICA. And then um, I moved back to Baltimore <laughs> recently. But in between there, no matter where I lived, I was always really invested in community-oriented things. And so in Philadelphia, when I first bought my house, I was super into the community association there. And it was really great because for me, that was my first time experiencing um, living in a city, owning a house. Well, I lived in a city for my undergrad, but like owning a house, living in a city and having a community association. And it was like 90% Black home ownership. And they were amazing. And so when I moved to Baltimore and like purchased my second home and started getting invested in community oriented things, I realized that like it was not the same story. And so that was that was really tough. But I think a lot of it is because I live in the Middle East area that's like changing now to Eager Park. And um, yeah, you understand that. That's <laughs> so my neighborhood. That's where I live at. <laughs> So it, it took a lot of learning for me to figure out, like, why isn't my block in a neighborhood association? And like, what is this development group that's nearby? And why doesn't anyone like them? Um, and so then I just like went door to door asking people, like, what do you want in this neighborhood? And so then they're like, 
everyone said like, we want a dumpster, we get a dumpster quarterly. And so I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to get this dumpster? And so then I started the community association and I was like working full time and doing community stuff. And because it's just me, it's just one person. And a lot of people on the block are like a lot older. So some don't have like internet access or like email addresses. So I just like took it upon myself to be like this person that's like spearheading the community, like while still doing architecture and even in architecture, I had like volunteered for the National Organization of Minority Architects. I was the community mm-hmm. outreach chair when the board um, kind of first initiated their Baltimore chapter. And I really love that. So like anything that deals with community oriented, oriented things, I'm like hands down, like I want to try it. I want to like learn new, from new people because I do travel a lot and I've been to over 30 countries just because I'm like, I just want to meet new people. And also like, because I do so many things, I need to like decompress um and travel so yeah that's that's kind of like where I am and then I started Micah when I when I started the program I always wanted to um honestly I feel like everyone says you never stop with your architecture thesis and so the idea of nursery made Baltimore which I've continued on through Micah is kind of an extension of my thesis and something that I've had since I was honestly in like the seventh grade um so, so before before we get too far past that, I, I I want, <laughs> no, 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 you're you're good, you're good because it's 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 a thing there, and it's almost like that elevator pitch. It's like here's my stuff. Um, so, Nostromi, t- let's talk about that a little bit. T- tell us about what that is because I don't know if everyone's dipped. Yeah, everyone still is like, what the heck is this? So it's actually Nos Rime, and Nos Rime. Yeah, it's Emerson backwards, like Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah. <gasps> nice. So I was kind of like, I learned about him in the seventh grade. And I feel like some people, and I've already kind of gotten it from some people like, oh, you're going to name your business after this white guy. But I'm like, he did not own any slaves. And like, honestly, initially he had like a pretty good philosophy. When I first learned about it through public schools, I thought this person was pretty cool. Um, And so the idea of like being one with community and everyone kind of like being together and loosely the idea of transcendentalism, um, the name nursery making about because of the food and art element. So let's see, we have food, art, community, and I think there is some, some overlap and maybe the spirit of like Baltimore and the spirit of Philadelphia. So let's, let's talk about the architecture side of things a little bit, because that like I I will say I've gone to a few like architecture museums and I I, I do look at things it's like hmm how do they make that so what about architecture really like caught you and resonated with you that you were like no this is this is a path for me this is a career path for me so tell me about that like what stuck out for it from a creative standpoint that was really um, like enriching for you. Yeah, I mean, when I first started out, I'm not going to lie, I, I wanted to go to Micah for my undergrad, like all the rest of my friends, because I went to Patapsco High School, which... How did you talk about high school? school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wanted to do art, and I really liked math. And so my mom was like, you can't be a starving artist, Ariana, you got to pick another career path that's similar. And so I did architecture. And so I think that's like, my my heart is still with art and like that's so cheesy but it is um but then while I was in architecture and learned a bit more about it I think for me like it, it definitely wasn't Legos for me it was more about like the interaction that people have in different spaces um and that's still like what I love about what I do now just seeing how 
people enjoy spaces and um, how it can influence your mood and mm. just like everything about it is really exciting. Yeah, um, I, I was recently in um, Austin just, you know, for research, right? And I was there kind of exploring a little bit. And naturally, you look at things, you're just like, oh, wow, how did they put that together? How did that happen? Who lives there, you know? And um, and just seeing that there was a commitment to it. And I saw like in, in the small part of Austin I was in, and I didn't really travel too much, but I was in the city for a bit. And I saw like two different associations for architects. So I was like, okay, architecture is a thing down here. It's, it's a thing. And then I asked and I talked to a few people that I was interviewing and they were like, oh yeah, all we have is tech people and architects. <laughs> I was like, wow, this, this is interesting. Um, so what in, in terms of maybe design and being in a program like the, like the open studies, that was a business and design. And so tell me about like, was there anything in it that, you know, now we're almost what, six, six to eight months removed from it, I suppose, when I was there with you guys? Um, what do you like take from that experience that you're kind of relying back on? Because I believe you're the only person that was a student <laughs> that I'm talking to in this series. So what what of it do you kind of like take from that experience, whether being there with other people in the program, the diversity in the program? But what are you taking? What have you taken from it that you're applying and looking back to in your work day to day now? Um. Honestly, at first I thought like this was only going to be helpful for me starting my nonprofit organization, but then I realized how pertinent it was for my actual architecture career as well. Um, I think from the business side of things, and I noticed this even when we were doing like the group project with you, my brain is always like, how is it going to look? How is it going to like be designed? But then like the numbers part and like figuring out the actual business side of things, I never want to do because it's not pretty and it's not graphics. Um, but it's so crucial. And I think that's helped me. Um, you know, I, I recently just was hired for another position and I feel so much more confident about having these skills because that's something that they never teach us in architecture school. And if they do, it's for like literally a day, they're like, Hey, this is how you run a business. Okay. Next step. And so I value that. Um, I value that definitely from the program. Yeah, that, that was like, you know, being the in that client setup. I was like, why am I not in this class? I kind of want to just be in the class now. I like, feel like I'm learning things. I'm stealing right now. Um, so this this is an interesting thing because I, I know very like I'm sure you're not pulling out what, what's what's the thing? Is it a uh, is it a protractor? What, what tell me about the tools that you use in doing your job, um, doing your work um, currently? And I have a part B to it, but like what what for you to do like let's say something very general? What do you need to do your work? Architecture work? Yes. Um, I mean, when we were in school, yeah, we had the scales and we had the, the drafting board and everything. But now in architecture school, they don't even have that anymore. There's like no draft. It used to be like year one and two, you're drafting only. And then you transition to working on a computer. But now it's like, no, everything is digital. And I I appreciate when I do work at design firms where we actually like hand sketch things and have like sessions together those things are like really important and really fun and that's how I definitely know I'm in a firm that you know really cares about design um but yeah it's, it's kind of just like trace paper and like markers pens and then me using a 3d modeling software 
Okay, now I'm going to complicate what I just asked you. (laughs) um, So this is the thing that I've gotten really interested in recently where we have an idea of what we need, right? And this is like best case scenario. And because the last, what, three years at this point has been a world of pivoting. (laughs) And I always look at what do I need at a minimum to, let's say, make a podcast, right? So this is kind of what I need at a minimum. <laughs> and it can fit in a fanny pack. So for you to, let's say, and pardon me if it sounds like novice because I am a novice. Yeah. So let's say for you to do some type of model, a blueprint or something like that, what is at the bare bones that you would need to get something like done, whether it's a, a diagram sketch, what have you, what is at the minimum of what you need? And do you find like, as you've gotten further and had more experience, your gear is getting smaller. The stuff that you need to get your minimum is getting smaller. Um, I think so. I actually, what I've done within my career has been very, very different. I started out doing pharmaceutical work, working for like big pharmaceutical companies where we would design like HIV labs and like animal holding cells and such. And so then it was like a lot of surveying because they were like building fit outs. And so I was like always walking around with like a, um, a measuring tape and um, a laser. And like, I was out all day doing that and I would come back in and put it back into the computer. Um, then I transitioned and started doing more um, design of like whole buildings. And for that, typically we would just like get drawings from a client um, make sure they were correct if it were if it was some sort of like renovation that we were doing but if it was starting from scratch it would just kind of be us just like sketching with trace paper <laughs> using revit um i use revit i've honestly i've been trained in revit i know autocad is like super old school now and like they use it in certain countries um but i'm just like only trained on revit and i love revit because it's 3d so like mm-hmm. i put in four walls and i can turn around the entire model quickly if i want to wow. check out um about the climate or like the energy savings with this model, you can do it. And that's, that's what's so great about Revit. Like you can, or just like 3d modeling software, you can figure out everything from that model, which is great when, you know, we're talking about the climate and after that point, like we do our job, then it's just on to the client to actually yeah. see if they want to stick to that, you know? Yeah. I, I had a, um, I had a partner back in the day that used AutoCAD. I was like, Hmm. That's that's the oh, that, my my mind popped a little bit. I had a flashback. I was like, I remember that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think um, I, I like when, one of the things you said earlier about doesn't look pretty. <laughs> like like if it doesn't look pretty, if it, and I read that in your um, in in your bio as well about the block beautification. That's important to you. It's like community and things looking pretty <laughs> matter. So. Is there, since you're Baltimorean, right, and you've traveled a lot, could you tell me, like, what sticks out in terms of, like, architecture for a place for you? Like, what when you think of something that's, like, beautiful, right, in the places you've visited, and we also have a little show loads of love for Baltimore, and in Baltimore, what, what's, what sticks out to you is, like, that is some good work that was done, or, wow, I wish I did that. Honestly, I feel like... Um nothing that was built recently <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. and, and but it depends like I like in Baltimore specifically small details like um I'm blanking and I should know buildings also all architects are not architect history buffs like I am not at all I almost failed that class in college um but my teacher now on LinkedIn he's always like Ariana great job whenever I post any status updates I feel like I made him proud but 
I feel like um, all of the industrial buildings in the city are beautiful, especially like when you look at the corners and the curved brick, like Mm -hmm. those details no one does anymore. um, And we don't care to pay Masons to do things like that anymore. And so I, I like the fact that Baltimore now I'm a part of this organization I'm blanking on what it's called. You probably know it, Rob. I feel like you know everything in Baltimore City. But um, (laughs) we're basically, within the next four years, trying to make it so that if we are going to demolish a building, we'll try to keep as many existing elements as we can because craftsmanship is not what it used to be. And I think whenever I do travel, I appreciate the architecture so much because they don't value engineer everything out. (laughs) And like, there's so much that happens like in firms that it's like so great and amazing. And, you know, we may be taking so many elements from what a community would have wanted or what the client might have wanted, but then because of budget constraints, like no one ever sees that in product. Yeah. Um, so that kind of sucks. But that being said, there are like amazing buildings around like Zaha Hadi was definitely one of my favorite architects um, that in, her and Tadeo Ando, like their work is just like absolutely beautiful. It leaks, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a really salient point there. You have these um, preservationists, like you start thinking of what, um, like, uh, what is it, Baltimore history um, and some of their work of preserving like buildings. And you see places like, you know, you, you mentioned uh, in East Baltimore, Middle East, right? And kind of some of the movements that are happening you're like oh let's build this new thing out and it's like you know it's not gonna be great right you know i start thinking that or because i i lived over there as a kid and, and moved back in 2016 and seeing like what's still up what's newer and that's hasn't really lasted and some of the stuff that's still up i remember from when i was a kid and it's like oh this just needs to be revitalized there it quote unquote has good bones to it yeah no that's honestly that's so important and like my my grandparents, like, they have such great history and memories of Baltimore City and even people that I've talked to when I started this community association. And they'll just say the neighborhood is just changing so much. And I feel like it's so important to keep, like, parts of Baltimore remaining as Baltimore. And I know we're, within the next few years, we're going to have so much um, so much addition to the city. But keeping the, the bones, like you're saying, is so important because... If not, it's just like a completely new city and no one wants that. You want you want to keep the identity for a place. And I think, you know, with I, I think it's a testament in many ways to the different versions of how arts and culture are here in the city. So obviously, Mike is a big school and has a fair amount of connective tissue within the city. A lot of people's either they work there, work for Micah, work with Micah. It's baked in. So that has to be there. And that's going to be a part of the art conversation. And then we have that DIY component as well. I think, you know, that makes up a lot of what goes on in the city um, from that arts and culture standpoint. But I think also there has to be that commitment of people being invested in being in here. And it sounds like a lot of the stuff you were talking about early on is something that's really valuable and really important for you. And that's what I'm hearing through it through. It's just like, yeah, community activist was in that bio. That was before artist actually, which I thought was very funny. Um, so that's, that's important. So let's, let's talk about the, the artist component of things a little bit. Um, so in, in this, in this may, this may not work, but I'll, I'll still ask it because I think it's, it's relatable. 
I think we always are somewhere in the middle when we're doing something creative, right? We, wow, that was great. I did really well there. Or wow, that sucked. I did poorly. How do you stay like balanced with that in that continuum when it comes to your artistic work? Like not feeling like, wow, I'm successful. You start like believing your own hype or just like, man, I bombed. I should give up. How do you just stay like, I'm just doing my thing. Um, Honestly, like I was just talking to my friend about this recently because they came into my house and they were like, you, you make art. And I was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, But it's just like, I never give myself the time and space to do it. And I think whenever I'm honest, I know that whenever I'm traveling, I start sketching more. I start drawing more. I'll go to like, I love figure drawing. And then when I'm back in the, like when I'm back doing everything in the world, I don't take the time to create art just because I'm just so busy and I feel like whatever I create is going to be ugly and trash. And maybe, I, maybe that means I need to test it out and just, and just verify, but I don't make myself, I don't give myself the time to create art like I want to, which sucks. Yeah. I, I, I took like a couple of weeks off of doing, doing this and just trying to get back in the flow. And I think recognizing that, in, in part of it's because I've been I've been really just free basing like Austin Cleon's book of like, hey, man, think like an artist, still like an artist. And I'm like, yeah, man, I uh, haven't done anything for a while. These first few are going to suck, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> and just kind of get back in the flow. But I think it's it's a muscle. It's like if you don't go to the gym or do something, you know, physical for like a week, you're like, I am weak right now. And you have to build that resistance back up, that tolerance and that that process back up. So tell me about tell me about food, because that's that's another thing that I'm seeing in here. So why why does that really like like pop for you and resonate for you? Like I see the experience and working and hosting, serving, catering, all types of things within the within the kitchen. So tell me more about like why that's a part of your like your goals at this juncture. Yeah. So I, I don't cook and everyone initially they're like, do you cook Ariana? And I'm like, heck no, I just eat. like, I hate, I barely cook it for myself. Um, but I do it. But I think, um, one, because I've traveled to so many places and I've eaten so many types of cuisines, um, I want everyone in Baltimore to be able to experience that because I know we look to like DC and I li- I've lived in Philadelphia and there's so much like variety of food in so many different neighborhoods of different types of food and um at the same time you look at Baltimore City yeah we have some amazing places for food and some like great chefs and everything but in terms of food access across the board it's definitely lacking and after being in some meetings for different um developments within communities I see that people don't want to develop in Baltimore City within these food deserts and so it's just up to us Baltimoreans to be the ones who are creating these developing spaces for people to have those access to food. Um, and I guess for my space, like I want it to be affordable, but at the same time, like I don't want anyone to feel marginalized. Like mm-hmm. that's my whole goal, like making sure I'm providing this food access and also gluten-free food access because I personally don't have gluten intolerances, but I have so many friends who do. And especially like in areas that are located in food deserts, like, you know, the options are like corner stores. And although it's great for them to have business, like within those corner stores, it needs to be like a healthier option other than just like, you know, Dollar Generals, which we know like it's stemming from like redlining. And even as an architect, like 
we're always looking at like what different things are happening in cities and how are we continuing to develop that and continuing to perpetuate things like Dollar Generals instead of healthier food access is like so crucial. Yeah. And I, I had this conversation earlier and it's funny because uh, that's what I'm kind of pushing for where I'm at and um, having just access. Right. And, you know, it's this this thing where you shouldn't be shouldn't be getting vegetables or fruits from a CVS. That just doesn't make sense. It's a non-starter. But it's this thing where I feel like it's a lack of vision sometimes of what this can be like. Oh, well, we have to make a brick and mortar. No, you don't. You can repurpose. You can have farmers markets. You can do some other version of all of these different things, ultimately to to serve the community. And I think going back to one of the things you touched on, <clears throat> it makes it really challenging when it's like one person. When you feel like, man, I'm doing this, and I, I need to find the resources just to save time. I mean, you can send out some emails, you can make some phone calls, but it's like, how can I take advantage of the time that I have with all of my other, and for you, thousands of other things that you're doing? <laughs> how can you make the time to do that, to have the the most impact? And I, and I think that's, I think I share that with you, that you want what's best for the community, especially when you're from here. And that that was one of the things that in the um, the class, you know, the, the session, that's what resonated with me. That was what made you stick out to me amongst everyone. It's like, well, I'm from here. And I was like, yes, she is. I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so it's, it's great to hear that. And that is um, kind of baked into your work. Like you're, you're, you're doing some of the good stuff. So it's great to hear some of the stuff that you're doing and what really is baked into why you do what you're doing. So um, let's see. I got one more real question. Okay. And then I have rapid fire questions, which be afraid, be very afraid as they say <laughs> on the fly. Let's see. Let's see. What do I have? What do I have? Um, no, that's stupid. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> so what would you say has been, cause you, cause you've, you've touched on like, just you've kind of had this bigger worldview in terms of like you've traveled, you've been other places and so on. And I, I would imagine, you know, there is bringing this back, but there is also this kind of nomad thing that happens, too. And I feel you, sister. I feel you. Um, what would you say the challenge is to kind of bring some of these things that feel like changes, that feel like just a new way, what that next step might look like for, for, for Baltimore. And like, you know, talking with friends, talking with families and trying to talk with family members rather, and trying to bring forth like this new idea, like, Hey man, we could do this as well. What are some of those challenges um, that, that you think, and how do you think we can get, get around them? Um, I'm figuring those out right now. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I think, um, I mean, my, the first event that I had for No Remade was at our house because mm -hmm. it's our house, well, the garage at our house. And I wanted people to know, like, I'm serious. And the events that we do moving forward will be, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm doing a good job at these. Um, but in terms of the next places, like, I do want to be in neighborhoods like Brooklyn and, and Cherry Hill and other areas that um, black food and art access but at the same time I've talked to certain artists who've told me like well I've done a community arts project here and they didn't want me here well the people in that community and so it's going to be tough figuring it out but I think that's also the goal of the fundraising series that I'm doing right now is going to those different locations and seeing like who's receptive of this 
um, and who also needs this at the same time because, um, yeah, I just want to make sure that we're doing this great thing in a neighborhood that that has been wanting it. Like, you know, I look at things like my neighborhood and there's so many things that we want and there's so many grants we're trying to apply for. And because of like the bureaucratics with like Hopkins and everything, it's really tough to get a grant. And because like my block like opted out of certain things, it's like, it's so tough, but at the same time, everyone is like ready. And so I like want to make sure I'm in a neighborhood where like people are ready. They just like need, just need some of my development and resources. And then we'll like go and do this together. Um, but that will come with challenges and mm-hmm. I, I'm completely aware of that. So TBD. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. It's, it's kind of the same thing where there is from some of these institutions and some of uh, the different bodies that have come in. And I, re- I remember being in this meeting um, in, in East Baltimore, I think it was like East, whatever like community body from like East Baltimore it was over there in Collington to, to set the stage for you. And uh, it, it turned, it was like, yeah, this is going to be cool. And, you know, we're doing this and listening to the, the people who are residents. And then it's like the residents turned on the bodies that were presenting this thing because it's like they said something that it's like, no, we've heard this before. And you guys haven't done anything. And it's hard to get over that because there's been a lot of things that have been said and that haven't really worked from a community standpoint and from a, you know, like structure. We're going to bring these different things. And I even throw this out there in terms of the um, the market and the community side of things. I remember back when I first bought my spot back in 2016. I had to pose, which was so, so janky. I posed as another buyer. And I was like, yeah, so I'm buying this $200,000 house. And I would like to know if there's going to be a market here. And they, you know, the, the the developer, they were like, yeah, you know, we're going to have a market there. Six years later, still no market. And it's like you're baking in a food desert. You're baking in scarcity. And while saying at the same time, we the things that we are putting in are a response to what the community has asked for. And I think people see that and it's like, I don't recall being asked. I'm in the community. I've been yeah. here for almost a decade, you know, and it just feels like weird at times. But at the same time, you know, it, it is going to be a challenge as you touched on. And I think having the stamina and the wherewithal, which seems like you've been describing for yourself. So shout out to you to do it. And um, I think that's big and that's huge. That's huge to, and it's great to hear that. And you're a kayaker. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I got a few rapid fire questions for you and Scary. <laughs> you should be. They're very scary. They're, they're terrible. Um, so the, the key thing with these, try to answer these as quickly as you can. Don't overthink it because everybody overthinks them. And, you know, it's just fine. Um, who's a famous person you've met? Like, like, like who you consider famous, what have you, but somebody that's famous that you met. Chili from TLC. Really? Yeah, nice. at an airport. <laughs> Don't go chasing those waterfalls. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. Um, apples or oranges? Oranges all day. The apples always stay in the fridge. <laughs> uh, window seat or aisle seat? Window. Okay. Um, it just hates when I have to go to the bathroom, but definitely window. Because I've been flying a bunch of flights recently, I... I <sighs> 
I don't know how. I've always been getting in the last group, the last boarding group. And I'm like, look, I was on the app at the time to do the check-in. And I'm 6'4". So it's just like I got to figure out how to squeeze my person into a seat. And I'm always stuck in the middle. I don't get a choice. I, it's, it's like I'm France. I'm just in the middle. <laughs> um, best sandwich. Oh, I think an Italian BMT. I'm pretty basic. I, I like an Italian BMT. That was my go-to. Get it with some Swiss cheese, though. Yeah. I like to switch it up a little bit. Just a touch. <laughs> Lastly, um, this, one is, this one might be rough. What is one song that you can listen to for the rest of your life? If there, you, you, This is the song. You're always going to hear it. It's never skippable. It's like you can listen to anything else, but that song, whenever it comes on, it's going to play. You got to play it all the way through. What's that song that you're, I'm going to listen to this for the rest of my life. Uh, that's really tough to answer, but I'll just, a recent song that I heard actually at the farmer's market is Gypsy Woman. And I do love that song. It never, it never gets bad. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. That's a good one. That's a definitely a throwback joint. I like it. Yeah. Um, so that's actually all of the rapid fire ones. You did very well on the rapid fire ones. So points to you. Um, so with that, I want to invite, well, one, I want to thank you for being on this podcast um, and thank you for the time and the flexibility and all that good stuff. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to share anything you feel like we really didn't cover, we really didn't get a chance to discuss. And um, in that, tell the fine folks where to check you out, your work and all of that. So the floor is yours. Yay. Thanks, Rob. I hope I don't mess this up. Um, but thanks for having me. And no, Sarime Baltimore is super new. Um, I'm open to any volunteers to help out right now. The first event that we had was on June 30th. Pictures and videos to come soon. I am so new to social media, so it's it's been a struggle. Um, but at the same time, I'm hoping to have the next event in the fall this year, pending sponsorships and grants. Um, if not, we're going to have the next event probably early next year, 2023. Um, so yeah, just follow nosremaybaltimore.com or sorry, nosremaybaltimore.org or follow nosremaybaltimore on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and yeah, if you want to follow me and see my travels, I am, I'm not grande. I like, I'm not Ariana Grande cause I'm Ariana Parrish. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. So there you have it folks. I want to again, thank Ariana Parrish, not Grande for coming on to the podcast and, uh, I'm Rob Lee saying that there is our community architecture in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.